As a reminder, Easter is just a couple weeks away. I was reading a statistic that comes out every year. It seems not to change. The truth is the same year in, year out. The number one reason that people cite that they do not go to church on Easter is that nobody asked them. I want to challenge you to be praying and thinking. And again, as I think back to Janelle Fosnaw's journal that I had a chance to read, it just leaped out off the page to me when I saw she listed by name the guy at the Honda dealership that was serving their car, or that was servicing their car that she was praying for. And the waitress at Bob Evans, where she was recently uh, having a meal by herself, she had her name written down and she was praying for her for a number of weeks. Who is it in your life? You're not judging them. But to the best of your knowledge, they don't have the hope of Jesus that you have. There is a tremendous opportunity ahead of you uh, here at Easter. Any week's a great week to invite somebody, but don't miss out. Something that you may have missed in your bolt, and I want you to catch, it says, Empty for Easter. Reflections of Christ in art. Uh, you can come, bring a friend to Grace Point. Uh, just come yourself. If there's not anybody with you, that's fine. Here on Monday and Tuesday evening. And check out some of the artists here at Grace Point as they use the skill that God has given them to give depictions of the passion of Christ uh, that tell the story of Easter. You would love to see that. It's also going to be available, the same um, set of artwork, at Allen County Public Library Saturday April 19th, Um, that's a great opportunity to bring a friend to see that. Check that out in your bulletin. Grab your uh, Bible and your worship outline as we get started together this morning. We've been in a series entitled Celebration and Connection. And just by way of review, we started out by looking at how here at Grace Point, God has given us a simple two-part strategy to fulfill the two scriptures that are on the wall to your left and to your right. To love God with every fiber of our being and to love our neighbor as ourself and to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey the things that Jesus has commanded us. This is to... Make disciples across the street, across town, and around the world. And and here at Grace Point, we don't want anybody to be confused about what we're asking them to do. And we believe that God has called us to celebrate big on the weekend, on Sundays here, in a large group gathering. Remember, when we celebrate together, we worship God in spirit and in truth. If you missed that week of teaching, go online and check out week number one of this series, and you can get caught up on what's happening. Then we... uh, touched just briefly two weeks ago in this service, and I'm going to spend a little bit more time in review to bring us up to speed on the beginning of these three core values when we connect. We celebrate God big on the weekend, and we connect small and smaller gatherings on Sunday and all throughout the week. We are convinced that when we connect together, three things happen. We care for each other, we learn from God's Word, and we serve somebody beside ourselves. If you anticipate participating at Grace Point by just sitting in a chair on Sunday morning, you're welcome to do so, but you need to know you're only getting half of who God has called us to be. There's going to be times when you are frustrated, no doubt, that that you're not getting what God is wanting you to have, and that comes in the context of community and a smaller group or in a class. Last two weeks ago, we touched base on this core value of caring. In Romans 12:5, it says, Christ makes us one body connected to each other. Friends, we need each other. 
God isn't saying that community is optional. This isn't just for those who need a second dose of, of Him. This is a vital part of our growth in Him. You may not feel like you need it. You may say, I'm kind of self-sufficient. But the fact is, you absolutely have to have other believers in your life in the context of a smaller gathering. See, when we genuinely connect with God and one another, there's some things we do better. We care for one another. You can jot that. Well, I don't think there's a blank there. I just wrote it in for you. We care for one another. Now, when we talk about really connecting and caring, caring can mean a lot of different things. But for us, to care for someone is to genuinely love them with your life. It's not just, well, I hope you don't get hit by a Mack truck today. I hope you don't get the, you know, food poisoning today. No, I'm going to care for you by loving you with my life. That costs me something. Now, this can be a hard thing, but it's an important thing. In fact, I would argue that it's the most important thing. 1 Corinthians 13.3 tells us, No matter what I say, no matter what I believe or what I do, I am bankrupt without love. It doesn't matter what you believe if you don't love. It doesn't matter what you have done if you don't love. It doesn't matter what you say if you don't love. It doesn't matter what you intend if you don't love. John 13, 35 says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. When was the last time that somebody, by watching your life and watching you love another Christian, said, Hey, I think you're a Christ follower. Not by what t-shirt you wore, not by what bumper sticker that was on your car, not by, you know, even what verse you quoted, but by the way you loved another Christian, they said, I think you're one of those Christ followers. Scripture says that if we love one another with the authentic love of Christ, to care for one another, they will know that we are His disciples by the way we love each other. See, God created us for one another. He didn't create you for yourself. It's not just so you can be pleased and happy and get all the things that you want. You were created to bless somebody else in the body of Christ. To love somebody with your life is part of why you exist. We have to ask the questions, are relationships our first priority? As I sat with the Fosnall family and I asked them to share some things about Janelle with me, one of the daughters said, you know what? (laughs) Mom taught me how important people are and how important relationships are. And they are way more important than tasks. And and she began to share and she said, there was this one time when I said, Mom, I've got all this homework to do. And she said, yeah. And, And the daughter said, well, Mom, should I go be with my friends or should I do my homework? Kind of setting up the test of this people are more important. And she said, I think you need to go spend time with friends. So you can try this at home. This would be a great way to get out of some homework if you want to do that. I really believe what Janelle was saying is homework is important. But people are even more important. When is the last time that you've done an evaluation on where people rank in your value system? How much time do you invest your life in somebody else's life? It's not just a call for us to see that it matters most, but... We need a place to belong. How many have seen the redwood trees in California, the big, huge trees? You've seen them either with your eyes or on, like, Discovery Channel or something? Three of you. Very good. You need to watch more uh, Discovery Channel. These are these massive, huge trees. They go up hundreds of feet tall. And 
when they are so, so tall, and they've been around for many, many years, you would think that the root system of those trees would go really deep in the ground. You could think that, but you'd be dead wrong. Compared to how tall they are, their roots are fairly shallow. But they get their strength because they grow in groves, and one tree's roots connect to the other tree's roots, and the other trees to the one next to it, and pretty soon it's this whole network of root systems. Though while they're shallow, they're very strong because they're connected together. Every now and then you'll find a redwood tree that has toppled over, and almost always it's a tree that has sprouted up apart from the grove and doesn't have the root structure that the other trees in the grove have. See, God has created us and wired us the same way. He never designed you to live the Christian life by yourself. Some of you are weary. You're worn out because you're trying to do this in your own strength and by yourself. And God says, get into the family of God. Connect with other Christians. Receive the blessing I've given you. Ephesians 2.19 says, You are members of God's very own family, citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. See, you and I, we are called to belong, not just believe. I'm not saying we shouldn't have belief. We need to have belief. But our belonging, our commitment to one another is just as important. Does your level, does my level of commitment to the body of Christ here at Grace Point demonstrate how much love I have for the body of believers? We also see not only a place to belong, that we are to experience life together. Galatians 6.2 says, share each other's troubles and problems, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. See, life is meant to be shared. I don't want to unnecessarily offend you, but I love you enough that if it's necessary, I will. Friends, some of us, we kind of walk into this place with an expectation of what it is that we are going to get. I really hope that I get what I came for. Now, sometimes I understand we should come into God's presence with a healthy expectation of what God is going to do. But it's an open heart. Say, God, whatever you have, I want. But when we come in as a consumer and we begin to give our checklist of what we liked and didn't like about things that happened in worship or things that happened in our class or our group or what people did. Friends, we can miss the whole benefit of what God is giving us. Some of us come in and we just say, nobody talk to me today. Unfriendly church. Well, who did you talk to? Nobody has asked me over to their house for dinner. Well, who did you ask over to your house for dinner? I was sick and hardly anybody came to visit me. Who have you visited when they were sick? Friends, we cannot experience community unless we are committed to community. We are called in our smaller gatherings here at Grace Point, when we connect with one another, to care for each other. We believe in the priesthood of all believers, that every Christian is a care of the Great Commission, and we are to minister one to another. We are to cultivate that community together. Well, as we understand that community takes commitment, I want to move to the next core value in our connecting in groups and classes together, and that's not only caring, but learning. Learning from God's Word and learning from each other. I want to share a little equation with you. It's at the top of your outline there, or kind of like in the middle, I guess. And it says, I plus A equals T. I need to give a little confession. Uh, I was not the greatest math student in college. 
or any other place in school. And uh, it was about a year and a half ago that Dr. Atkins came to our church, and he was here at a potluck in the back, and Dr. Atkins was my math teacher in college, and I saw him out of context, and I saw him in a room back here, and I just had a streak of panic go through my whole body. Because the last time I saw Dr. Atkins, I had forgot to turn in my homework, and I still felt guilty about it. And while I may not be the best math student, I learned a few things that I had to about equations. And and this is not a math equation, but it's an equation for discipleship that I think is so important for us. You see, when we care for each other and we learn from God's word and we serve someone besides ourselves, where that intersects, it's fertile ground for the seeds of discipleship to take root. And it's not foolproof. You can show up and resist God. That's possible. It's hard, but it's possible. But when we care and learn and serve together, we have this fertile ground, heart that's ready to be planted with the seeds of God's truth to grow as disciples. And when we learn together, let's unpack that a little bit. The equation you have there is I, information, plus application equals transformation. That's a lot of shuns. It's not just a slogan. I think that God has... Good evidence in his word that this is very true in our life. When we have the information of God's word, we apply our life to his word, we can expect there to be a transformation. You see, to learn from God's word is to be transformed by the truth. I don't care what you have memorized. I don't care what you can quote. I don't care how much you know. If there is a lack of transformation, we haven't learned anything. Now, don't misunderstand me. Information is important. We need to memorize God's Word. We need to know God's Word. There's all kinds of activities where we have to take in the truth, but just taking in the truth is not what the Great Commission is all about. It's information plus application that leads to a life that is transformed. John 17, 17 says, Jesus was saying, Sanctify them by the truth. Your Word is truth. See, the Spirit of God uses the Word of God To make us like the Son of God. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to make us like the Son of God. In other words, to become like Jesus, we must fill our lives with His Word. Through the Word, we are put together and shaped up for the task God has for us. What is it that you are filling yourself with? What is it that is shaping you. See, God's word is unlike any other word. It is alive. It is active. Jesus' words, when they are spoken, they give life. Everything around you, all creation exists because God spoke it into being. God's word, it is the single most important. It is the primary nourishment you have for your soul to learn and to grow. God's word is the primary nourishment that we must have to learn and to grow. So you and I, we're being shaped by something. What is it that's shaping you? As we look at this first part of this equation, information, to learn from God's Word, you have to know God's Word. I know that's not like super profound, but it's important. I can't learn from God's Word if I don't know God's Word. One of my favorite things about the Grace Point Church family as I've gotten to know our church over the last couple years is we love this aspect and we are good at knowing God's Word. And I want to commend us for having a commitment to the knowledge of the Word of God. 
we need to know God's word. But sometimes we've been up in, in a community, we've grown up in a community, and we kind of forget how this happened. And so quickly I want to help us see how we can know God's word. First, and we do this well, we need to receive it. You have to receive God's word. You must listen and accept with an open and receptive attitude. You remember the parable of the sower that Jesus shared? The, the different types of soil and how it received the seed of the gospel? Jesus identified three unreceptive attitudes or unreceptive hearts. The hard soil, this is the closed soul, the closed mind that is not going to receive the truth. They may read the truth, they could even memorize the truth, but they're not open, they have a hard heart. Then there's the shallow soil, a superficial mind. Though they may read the word and they may have it there, they've not received it because they're shallow and they're not going into the deep things of God. And then we see the soil that is mixed with the weeds and and this heart is a distracted heart or a distracted mind. And though they may take in the word of God, they are so given to other things that the world, the other things they give themselves to, choke out the very word that God is putting there. We have to receive it. It may seem simplistic, but it's important. We also have to read it. I'm perplexed by people who claim to believe the Bible in its entirety. And I ask them if they've read the Bible and they say, uh, no. Not all of it. Well, how much of the Bible do you believe? All of it. How much have you read? Part of it. Now, reading the Bible doesn't make it true. It's true whether you read it or not. But if you believe the Bible to be true, read the whole thing. All of it's good. Now, some is a little bit thicker to get through. That's okay. But there's a purpose for all of it in our life. Uh, some people just act like this Bible is so thick, there's no way to get through it. Friends, if you are an average reader, I'm not, I'm very slow. But if you're an average reader, it's 15 minutes a day for a year and you get through the Bible. If you're like me, you've got to do 20 minutes a day in a year for every day for the year you get through the Bible. That means if you would give up a 30-minute or a 45-minute television program each day, take that time and read God's Word, you can get through the Bible twice in a year. So you can get gold stars on your chart in heaven. No! So you can be filled with the Word of God. You have to have the information of the truth that can bring application of your life later and transformation that can follow it. We need to receive it. We need to read it. We need to research it. There's a difference between just reading the Bible and studying the Bible. Two key places to start is to ask questions of the text and write down your insights. You don't have to have a, a, a seminary degree or a Bible college degree. Ask questions of what you read. Write down the insights of what you feel God's giving you as you read. As I was looking over Janelle Fosnaw's journal, it was amazing to see testimonies of what God was doing in her life as she went chapter by chapter through the Bible. And she asked three questions. What does this passage say about God the Father? What does it say about the Holy Spirit? What does it say about the Son? And then she would write down her thoughts on each one of those. So each chapter would have two or three lines. And the Lord kind of prompted me, what evidence would there be of your dedication to the Word of God if I took you home tomorrow? I ask that question to you. Is there evidence in your life of you not only receiving it and reading it, but researching it, studying God's Word? We also are called to remember it. Our capacity to remember God's Word is a gift. Now, some of us say, well, we have a bad memory. 
I was at someone's house uh, not too long ago, and they had an old-school Nintendo. Not a Nintendo 64. It's an old-school Nintendo. Teens, this is like before your time. This is like super bad 8-bit graphics where it's a rectangle control. There's three buttons. I don't do well with more than three buttons. But I was there, and they had this old-school Nintendo, and they had the Super Mario Brothers on there. And there's the directional arrow, and there's A, and there's B. And I held this controller in my hand, and a flood of memories came back to me. Up, up, down, down, right, right, A, B, A, B. This was the secret code to Super Mario Brothers that I had memorized years ago. And then the thought hit me. I have very little precious space in my brain. What has this been doing in here for the last 20 years? It's had... Little to no value. I can't get it out of my brain if I want to get it out of my brain. When we hide God's Word in our heart, there's tremendous value. We are called to memorize the Word of God. We need to reflect on God's Word. How can this information part, the truth of God's Word getting in us, be important? We reflect on it. We meditate on it. This word meditation is one that we need to take back in the Christian community. Other religions have taken this and perverted it. Eastern meditation is a dangerous thing. Often it's focused on emptying your mind. We need to be careful when we empty our mind for the sake of being empty. Something will fill our mind. But Christian meditation, biblical meditation, is when I fill my mind with the things of Christ. When I allow the Word of God, when I read it, it washes and renews my mind. It displaces the other junk that's in my life. This is what we see when we have the information of God's truth. But information alone does not do anything in discipleship. We need to have application. The first reason we avoid personal application is that we are so focused on how the Scripture fits into my life, what it means to me, how I will use what I've read, we miss what God's doing. We first have to allow ourselves to be applied to God's Word. In other words, if I read the Scripture and I say, ooh, I like that verse, I want to stick that on me here, this is not at all what God's talking about. It's more of me saying, God, I'm going to read your Word, and whatever you need to do to me to get me to fit into the mold of your truth, I want that to happen. I want to apply my life to your truth. James 1.21 says, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. To learn from God's Word, we have to live it out. I'm so tired of Christians bickering over parts of Scripture that they debate that they don't understand very well. Friends, the things that we struggle with the most is not the parts of the Bible that we don't understand. It's the parts of the Bible that we do understand that we haven't obeyed yet. I'm not saying there's not a place to have debate and have intellectual questions. That's good. But we have so much of God's Word that is so plain. It's right before us. God is waiting for us to obey. Let's apply our life to His truth and let the obedience bring about transformation in our life. It's not about what happens here. It's about what happens from here to here that makes a difference out here. John 8.31 says, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. See, the truth will set you free, but sometimes it's going to make you miserable first. Because God's word costs us something. God's Word exposes our motives. It points out our failures. It rebukes our sin. It expects us to change. It's a human tendency to resist change. But God has given us this gift to help us. 
Now, this is not just a talk to say, well, go home and study your Bible by yourself. No, in the context of community, God has given us community to help us put his word into action. When we meet in smaller gatherings and classes and groups, some of you are yet to go and you're going to do that later on this week. We need to care for one another. We need to learn from God's word and allow the community of faith to help us put this word into action. The best way to be a doer of God's word, not just to hear, is to have accountability and put your action plan down on paper. I want to challenge you this morning. It's not for me. It's just for you. Just jot down in your notes. What is one thing that God has already told you that you've not obeyed yet? What's one thing that God has already told you in His Word that you haven't started doing yet? Maybe you said no. Maybe you said not now. Maybe you didn't say anything. You just pretended like you didn't hear it. But you know you did. God is waiting for us to obey. When we begin to apply our life to His Word, it leads to transformation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. I ask you, friend, do you approach God's Word to see what you can get out of it? Or do you approach God's Word in a way that it gets you? That God gets you? Do I read God's Word to say, I just need a nugget to to keep me going today? Or do I read God's Word to say, Father, show me more of you. Show me more of what you're doing. Do you have a hunger and thirst for Him? If you don't, don't feel shame. Get into God's Word. Read His Word. Be receptive to His Word. Research His Word. Reflect, meditate on His Word. Apply your life in obedience to His Word. And then in transformation, this is God's part. In information, the key is that we do our part in taking the Word into us. Application with God. We obey. He begins to do things in us. Transformation. He produces the fruit in us. You see, if there's no transformation, we're not learning. While Grace Point has a strength in information, this is very good. I love it. We need to have a standard of measurement, of discipleship, of where's the fruit? I'm not suggesting you don't have fruit. But let's celebrate the fruit, not just the information. We need information and applying our life to it for God to transform us through and through. To learn from God's Word is to be transformed by the truth. When you gather in groups and classes, I want you to expect from your leader, from your teacher, that you are a part of cultivating an atmosphere where you care for one another, where you learn from God's Word. So sometimes in your gatherings, it's not just going to be about the outline. It's not just going to be about the good facts that you got. It's going to be about how did you apply it and where can we give testimony to what God is doing in our life and transforming us. As we close this morning... I want to add a little something to that equation. It's not just I plus A equals T. But there's something that happens when we begin to get a hunger and thirst for God's Word. He begins to transform us. We begin to take on that Psalm 145 passage that Janelle had taken into her heart. And we get excited about giving to one generation to another of how good God is. 
When we have information plus application equals transformation, we can have it squared and exponentially impact people around us. Who is it around you that you can give a hunger for learning from God? We need leaders who don't know it all. We need leaders who love to talk about what God is doing in them fresh and new. Amen? I don't think we're convinced. We need leaders who don't know it all. We need leaders who are, or have a fresh work of God in them and they want to pass it on to someone else. Amen? Amen. I can say it over and over. I won't wait till we get it. It's more important that we focus on the transformation. We need to be informed. We need to apply our life. But it's not just about how it fits with me. It's not just about what I know. It's about what God does in and through me as I'm in a learning process with Him. As we close this morning, like I've shared with you before, I believe, in a message like this, sometimes I think the enemy gets on our shoulders and whispers lies in our ear. There's somebody in this room that the enemy's getting on your shoulder right now saying, if you were a good Christian, like Pastor Brady's talking about, you would read God's word more, you dirty, rotten, worthless nothing. And shame begins to fill your mind. This is a lie from Satan. I think the action steps of obedience today... I don't know that it's necessarily that we come to the altar and we weep and lay it before God. There's appropriate times to do that. And if that's where your heart is, you do that today. But I think for many of us, God has just given us a wake-up call saying, Learn from my word. You need to know it. You need to read it. You need to recite it. You need to be receptive to it. You need to reflect on my word. You need to research and study my word. But don't just get the information. Obey what it says. Do what it says. Apply your life to the Word and expect me to transform you. When we begin to do this, something happens. So I think an act of obedience today, someone needs to just go home and open up your Bible and read. Others, you've been reading. You need just to reflect on what God has been saying to you. Someone here today, you need to take time to be obedient to all the stuff you know. You know so much. Maybe too much. Start obeying the things that He's commanded us. Others need to celebrate the transformation. Someone here today needs to be open to being transformed. I want to read God's Word, but I don't want to change. Don't read the Bible if that's your heart. It's going to be really bad. But if you're open to change, study His Word. Father, I thank You today for what You're doing in the life of our community. We give You praise for specific answers to prayer. We give You praise for people who've come to know You in the last seven days. We give You praise for your grace and strength that has been so faithful to those who are putting all their trust in you in a time of grief. We give you praise today that you reign over every aspect of our life. Lord, I thank you for the call you've given us to celebrate you big in worship, in spirit, and in truth. And to connect in smaller gatherings and groups and classes, God, where we can care for one another, where we can learn from God's Word, Your Word, and we can serve somebody besides ourselves. God, help us see that this is not just something for Grace Point. It's Your call all throughout Scripture. 
It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. Before you leave, I want to ask those who are currently in a class or a group here at Grace Point, I want you just to stand right now. If you are a part of a class or a group, you just stand right now. If you're not, no worries. You just relax. You just stay seated. Friends who are standing in your class or group, you've gotten one of these cards, blue cards, and it's got some space for you to write your information, meeting time on the back. It's up to us. Let's invite the people around us to join us. Those who are seated, you don't have to wait for someone to ask you. You can talk to one of these people who are standing. You can talk to me or one of the pastoral team. We'd love to help you. Remember, you're welcome just to worship big here on Sunday morning, but it's only half of who we are. Press in. Find a place where you can connect in a group or a class. May God bless you. You're dismissed.